Welcome to episode 43 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. There is a difference between truth and fact. Facts are accurate, but subject to change. Truth is eternal. This is Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. In our last program together, I ended by talking about the truth, that we are the pillars of truth. The church is to be the truth. And uh, let me start by making this statement. There is a difference between truth and fact. Facts are accurate, but subject to change. Truth is eternal. So God invests in us and gives us the stewardship of preaching and teaching and living that which is eternal. Eternal. Now, that is a very important presupposition or understanding to have when we bring up the issue of civil disobedience. I get asked the questions about civil disobedience fairly frequently, and my answer is I do not believe in civil disobedience. And, and then I uh, rescue the person and say, but I do believe in biblical obedience. And let me just start on that comment right there. I believe that if we're going to violate the standards of civil government by trying to remain true to God, the objective in our heart should not be defiance, but it should be obedience. You have probably seen people that were right on the issues, but were wrong in their spirit. They had a poisonous spirit, uh, even though they might have been technically right. I think something that affected me deeply as a very young believer, my first year of salvation, I read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. And here we saw, for all intents and purposes, a man who became militant to stand against the government. But when you read Bonhoeffer, you do not sense poison in his well at all, but rather a deep desire to obey God and to be true to God not just to stand against the lie. And there are plenty of biblical admonitions that are given to us to stand against lies. You know, expose darkness, the Bible says. So, uh, you know, there's injunctive power there for us to do those things. But I just want to make the point on the front end here that I believe our motivation has got to be obedience to God and being pleasing to God. And when you study some of the the great people of the faith, when you look at the Apostle Paul in jail, when you look at uh, the, you know, Joseph who was in jail, when you look at these people, you sense something eternal, something of truth that is coming out of them. And they realize they're standing and they're representing a kingdom whose builder and maker is God, whose God is their architect. And there's an eternal dispensation to what they're talking about and what they're doing. So I think it's very important for us that we, when we talk about the issue of disobeying a government, it's for the purpose of obeying God, not just being defiant. And sometimes there are folks that are a rebel and they're looking for a cause. We ought to be Christ followers 
and his cause ought to be our cause. The things that offend him ought to offend us, and the things that he celebrates, we ought to indeed celebrate as well. And what that will mean is that if, if we have to suffer for righteousness' sake, that we would do so with joy and we would not become victims. By the way, one of the marks of a disciple is that they do suffer for righteousness' sake. And one of the questions, I think, to ask to this generation of Christians, have they ever suffered for anything they believe? Now, there's a few folks that have stood up and and they've taken some heat, uh, and, and God bless them. But as a whole, is that the norm for a believer to be willing to stand with the truth and suffer some natural loss, whether it's position, whether it's affirmation, whether it's vocation, uh, whatever it may be, that they may lose for that. Secondly, I believe that Romans 13 is hijacked out of context quite frequently. Remember that Romans 12 is talking about giftings in the church. If you read the beginning of Romans 12, it talks about having our mind renewed. And the the focus of having our mind renewed is on how we see people, how we treat people, and how we receive people. It talks about we've got different gifts, those type of things, and we should esteem people, that uh, we should not think of ourselves more high than not because other people have gifts. <clears throat> When he goes into Romans 13, I do not believe there's a radical change of subject. Uh, the end of chapter 12 says in verse 21 that we should not be overcome by evil, but we should be overcomers of evil with good. And then Romans 13.1 is the verse that I believe is taking out of context regularly, and that is that every person is in subjection to the governing authority for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Now, here's what it's teaching. It's teaching that God is a God of authority, that God is a God of structure, okay? It's not teaching, hear me, it is not teaching that every personality in power is there legitimately. Obviously, we have tyrants who have grabbed the seat of power, and that's not righteous. But that does not unauthorize the fact that God still is a God of government. And we have anarchists out there who believe because government is corrupt that there should be no government. We have women out there who've been wounded by men who've been in authority, and because of that, then all male authority is to be cast to the side. We have sheep out there, Christians out there, who have been taken advantage of or misled or abused by spiritual authority, and therefore they reject all spiritual authority. That's what this verse is talking about. All authority is from God. All authority is delegated authority. Authority comes from God. That does not mean that every person who stands in authority is ordained by God to stand there. Some literally have stolen that. Okay, some have abdicated because they are not in a position to exercise that authority. For instance, the Bible talks to us in 1 Timothy 5 about how to remove a sinning elder. Well, an elder is a place of government. Now, if everybody 
who was in government was ordained to be there, then there would be no ability for us to remove that person from government. Again, if that was the case, then we should never vote somebody out of office once they were in office because that person must have been put there by God. Okay, that would mean a woman who was in an abusive situation with a husband would have no choice but to stick it out and to be abused. We do not believe those things. We believe that there is authority, and we believe that all authority comes from God, but it is delegated authority, meaning there are conditions that go with the authority. Whenever anything is delegated, that means there are conditions that goes with that. Okay, so even, by the way, the word civil is never found in Romans 13. I believe he's talking to the Roman church because they had attitude issues with the Roman government because they were converted Jews. And he was saying, look, do not bring your anti-Roman understanding against authority. Do not bring that into the church and treat your spiritual leaders like that. I am totally convinced that that is the context of Romans 13. But in verse 4, he is using, I believe, even though the word civil wasn't there, it's obviously an allusion to civil government as an illustration, not as a subject. He says, for it is a minister of God for you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. It is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So there's delegated authority. So even if someone was going to say that Romans 13 is a teaching on civil government, uh, which you cannot support if you read the whole text, but let's say they would, uh, it, that is still delegated to government, and the conditions of the delegation are they are to punish those who practice evil and reward those who practice good. So God is saying if somebody's in authority and they do not punish evil and they do not re reward good, that their authority is null and void. I believe that. I totally believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that. Therefore, as believers, when the civil government, the family government, the church government, any government structure is teaching us to do evil, is rewarding us for doing evil, and by the way, being silent is doing evil, they're rewarding our silence, that's a bribe, then we need to be very suspect of that, okay? But let's just go back to the beginning. Let's make sure we have a good spirit. Let's make sure that our passion to obey God is greater than our offense with a person, a church, a relationship, or a government. And that way, we'll have the fragrance of God on us, and we'll have His authority, and we will walk in the authority of God. Now, let me just read the last verse of Romans 13 to finish it up, and I would encourage you to read all 14 verses in this wonderful chapter. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. What he is talking about clearly in Romans 13 is our attitude toward church authority, and he's using civil government as an illustration to that. And you can understand that by reading Romans 12 and then reading Romans 14. Romans 13 is the meat in the middle of the sandwich that tells us how to walk that out. 
Hey, it's been great being with you today. I'll trust you'll be a Berene and study these things out. This is Keith Tusi with Leadership in Context. Today, Keith had a discussion on civil disobedience. If we are going to violate the standards of the civil government by trying to remain true to God, the objective in our heart should not be defiance. It should be obedience. We should have a deep desire to obey God, to be true to God, and to stand against lies. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.